Hey, everyone. This is Mark Perry, the founder of Built Lean, and I have a really special guest with me today. Uh, his name is Kellen Mylad, and he uh, is from Milwaukee, is now currently living in Milwaukee. And I came across Kellen uh, through an organization called MoveNet, which you're going to learn more about in a second. But uh, Kellen has exceptional strength, flexibility, um, the incredible conditioning, and he's really reached what I think is that, that extraordinarily high level I'd even say a world-class level of fitness, and it's something I personally aspire to, and I'm a little bit selfish. I'm, part of the reason why I wanted to speak to him is that I could learn from him too, um, and I really hope that you're going to learn uh, some really great things in this call. Um, I know for sure you're going to learn some great things in this call because we actually tried recording a previous conversation. It didn't work out, so uh, you're definitely going to learn some amazing information with Helen. Uh, it's definitely going to be worth your time. And so in this call, we're going to go over a little bit about his exercise, and we're actually going to talk a little bit about his background, his exercise routine, like what is he doing to look and perform so amazingly? I mean, the guy is impressive, and we're also going to talk about his nutrition, we're going to talk about his lifestyle, and we are going to get a really great feel for like how this man approaches his health and well-being, and how you can fit some of the stuff that, that he's incorporated into his life, into your life as well. So we really want to make it applicable to you so you can really learn from it. So um, one more thing with that said, uh, Kellen is uh, a, a, a level three certified MoveNet trainer. Uh, he has a lot of experience with, with different types of exercise disciplines, and he currently has a coaching uh, practice as well. And so uh, without further ado, let's dive in. Uh, so, so Kellen, I really appreciate you. Uh, you, you being on the call and sharing your insights with with our audience. Oh, Mark, it's a pleasure, man. I I I live this stuff and I love these conversations. I love the opportunity to share what I've learned along my journey uh, in the hopes that it it can help other people out. So I'm I'm, I'm stoked. Awesome. And and before we start asking questions, I do want to uh, recommend people who are listening to this audio to check out uh, Kellen's. Uh, Instagram feed, which is absolutely amazing. It is so cool. Um, so even if you don't want, uh, listen to the entire podcast, you can definitely check out his Instagram, which I'll be putting up or publishing uh, where you can find this uh, this podcast. Okay, so um, so Kellen, you know I, you, you've reached a really high level of fitness, but it, it, it wasn't always that way, right? It, at least that's my understanding. Can you talk a little bit about kind of your, your experience growing up and maybe you weren't that healthy. Yeah, it, it definitely wasn't, it, it hasn't always been that way. Um, you know, uh, as a kid, like any kid, uh, I, I love monkeying around, I love moving, I love being active and had a ton of energy. Um, but as the years started to roll by and you grow up a little bit more, you get pushed into a certain a certain framework, and um, you know, I found myself getting pushed into a framework that was um, discouraging me from moving, from monkeying around too much. Uh, was encouraging me to be more sedentary. Uh, I was, I was encouraged, or um, at least had the opportunity to to watch a lot of television. I had the opportunity to eat a lot of junk food, and um, those practices quickly took a toll on. On my health as a kid, so I found I found myself um, uh, approaching my teenage years going in being overweight, being uh, and overweight and out of shape, and just just way more lethargic and unhealthy than uh, any kid should have to be. Right, and uh, you know, even when I was growing up, I certainly wouldn't consider myself healthy, um, and I think a lot of kids growing up nowadays aren't, and so I, I definitely appreciate you sharing that and. Uh, so let's talk about how you kind of made that shift. So what was it that made that shift? And maybe you can talk a little bit about, like, you know, kind of how you became a fitness professional. Yeah, okay. So uh, how I got into the fitness world, um, I'll, I'll, I'll flash, 
uh, flash forward a little bit there. Um, I was enrolled in graduate school. My, my educational pathway has been psychology, and I've always been super interested in, you know, what makes human beings tick and, and human uh, relationships and dynamics, and I, I love that stuff. Uh, and as I got into graduate school, I, I noticed a trend that uh, uh, I didn't really like too much. I saw my peers and I saw my professors um, very dedicated towards helping other people. Uh, I saw these individuals um, foregoing their own health um, as, as members of a helping profession. And um, for a number of reasons, that among them, I decided to take my career in a different direction. Uh, once I got the master's degree in counseling, I decided, well, I want to help people, but I want to do it in more tangible terms. And I think fitness might be the path for me. Now, at the time, fitness had uh, been with me for a while, but it started to take on uh, a deeper role, a deeper meaning in my own life. And, you know, I just decided to, 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 to take a leap of faith and try something new. And, and here I am about uh, eight years later, a little over eight years. And uh, it just continues to, to excite me. And this is, this is where I thrive and where I love to, to connect with people and help people. Awesome. And so uh, kind of going back to your, you know, your teen years, you're out of shape, you're unhealthy, and then you kind of made that shift and you started working out. And I think, uh, you know, you've told me that, you know, you started kind of trying different things and you even uh, kind of started out with that bodybuilding type of approach. Uh, can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, it, was a, it was a marked shift for me. I just I hit my limit. I hit my breaking point where uh, I was kind of adopting this identity as a fat kid, um, mm-hmm. and and I wanted to break that cycle. So it was after my freshman year of high school. I just I just had enough with with being that kid. So I took it upon myself to start running and start lifting weights. I didn't have a plan, a coach, a mentor. I didn't have. Um, you know, all, all these resources uh, that we have our, at our disposal now, I, but I had the motivation, and I was just like, I've, and I've had a block of time. I had a summer, uh, so I was just like, I'm just going to figure this out step by step, and I'm going to take each day as an opportunity to get better. I don't know what that looks like, and I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I know that effort is within my control and I'm going to, I'm going to give it my best every day. And, you know, I, I dropped about 25, 30 pounds that summer and it really set me on this path um, by, by showing me the power of, of, of what my consistent effort can, where, where it can get me. That's awesome. Uh, and, and, and like I said, it was that, it was, it was the bodybuilding approach. It's things have changed since then. Um, but it, 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 it was an approach that really served me at the time, and it, it worked out really well. And we'll talk more about how that's that's evolved. Right, right. And so that's kind of one thing I wanted to to mention is, you know, a lot of guys they kind of start out with this bodybuilding approach, and they can actually achieve some results. But I think as we mature and we start to learn more, we start to realize, you know, what maybe a, a more holistic, full body approach is kind of the way to go, right? And that's one big reason why I wanted to talk uh, to to speak with you and to really promote what you've accomplished in your kind of current exercise methods and that, you know, again, most guys are kind of doing the chest one day, biceps another day. And I think, and as you have discovered, that's really just not the most efficient way to really build and maintain a fitter, stronger and healthier body. And and obviously we're going to dive into this in more depth very soon. So let's actually just dive into exercise right now. Um, general question, but can you kind of, Talk through a little bit of what your exercise routine looks like now, and I know that you're doing a lot of different things, but maybe just kind of give an overview, and then we'll kind of start dialing in and digging into details. For sure. So uh, I often describe myself as I, I'm not a program guy. I'm not a real. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not huge on like the rigid structure, uh, but the way that I start to approach my own training is uh, I, I like to think about it like a buffet. So over the years, I've really created a a, a, a wide uh, array of of um, 
disciplines and types of exercise and movements that I can engage in, and that's what I consider my my buffet. It's like what's at my disposal, uh, what ways of moving are at my disposal, and 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 what I choose from on a day to day basis. Um, and you know, like you would go to a, a local like farm to table restaurant or something like that, the menu changes uh, with the season. It, it it evolves. So the types of exercise and training that I'm engaging in uh, during the winter months is significantly different than what it looks like in the in the summer months. Uh, right now, it's on the menu, uh, more running, sprinting, hill sprints, uh, going out to the park, climbing trees, going down to our lakefront here on Lake Michigan and climbing over the uh, the rocks on the on the shores. Uh, a lot more interaction with nature. Uh, in this practical perspective of, okay, let me go out into these unpredictable environments and see how I can adapt. How can I use my movement abilities to adapt to the environment? And uh, it, 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 it's a little bit more, a little bit more like play, I guess, than like, like you would play as a kid. But I'm taking that foundation and, and being a little bit more intentional with how I'm, I'm focusing on my physical development. Um, winter tends to be a little bit more in the gym stuff, more weightlifting, um, more handstand practice, more more crawling and more hanging and on the ground work, um, and, and, and maybe a little bit more, a little bit more of the uh, traditional functional fitness type approach cool. uh, in those in those months. Cool. And by the way, I really love how you're talking about in terms of seasons because some people it's like, man, I just want to try to figure out how to work out for a month, right? <laughs> like. Right. You don't think about it as like, oh, man, I just need to work out for a month. It's more like a lifestyle. It's like, okay, well, what am I going to be doing in the winter? What about next summer? You know, like I think it's really cool that you're – it's almost like you've built in periodization without even trying to build in periodization, right, um, which is pretty yeah. cool, which is pretty cool. Um, so, so, so one quick thing. Um, so obviously you've kind of given this overview, which is really cool, by the way, and – I think, you know, we're peeking into the brain of someone who's super fit, which is very cool. Um, you know, so on a day-to-day basis, are you trying to figure out, okay, you know, uh, I've got 60 minutes today and I'm going to, you know, try to do this or that. Um, I'm just trying to get a feel for, you know, do you have like a set specific time where you're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, train today or work out today? Like, how does that work? Yeah, Um and we, we, we talked about that, like I'm really big on, on language uh, and the, mm-hmm. the words we use. Um, right. So when I think of this idea of training, it ends up being, um, you know, consistent with what we think about with fitness, like strength and conditioning and getting after it and doing some work. And um, on a week-to-week basis, I think I'm looking to um, to, to, to train uh maybe like two to three times uh, for 60 to 75 minutes. So uh, those those two to three sessions where I'm really getting after it. And I consider this um, performance. Like I'm, I'm asking my body for performance. Like let's get after it. Let's add some stress to the system and, you know, then we'll recover and get stronger and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but I'm, I'm, calculated with with how I'm applying that stress and and again that's what we would might call exercise or call training um so on the other side of that I'm moving a lot I I find ways to put and infuse my life with more movement and I think that's really a missing piece um that can help a ton of people out increase their longevity uh um uh avoid injury and just stay in the game um mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, just by finding that that more lifestyle, organic approach to movement. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. And uh, you made a distinction. I've spoken, to you, spoken with you in the past. You make a distinction between health and fitness. And can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll touch back on what I was saying about training right. as being performance. Right. And I look at this as I, I, I really try to get people keyed in on thinking about your self-relationship. What is your relationship between you and your body? And when it comes to fitness, 
we are asking of our body. We're asking for performance from our body. And when I think of health, I think about, okay, what can I do to give back? What can I do to give back to my body? What are the types of movements or the practices that can help my body heal and keep it in good condition? So um, you know, it, it's not something that we think about. We take our bodies for granted. We think about like, oh, you know, it's, I expect a certain level of performance from my body, and then when the body breaks down, we're very quick to say, oh, you know, my body betrayed me, or, you know, oh, I'm getting old, things just break down. And if you step away from that, it's, you can see that it's more of an imbalanced relationship, that perhaps you were asking and asking and asking of your body and not giving anything back to that relationship. And when we look into that context, we all know that, we all know what happens when we have a relationship that's imbalanced. When someone, a friend, is always coming to us and, and, and calling in favors and, and never there for us when we need it, like, what do we think of that friendship? We're like, ugh, you know, it, 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 it's taxing to us. But our good relationships in our life are reciprocal. There's a give and a take. And when I think about this relationship between fitness and health, I, I, I like to think of giving back to my body twice as much as I'm asking for it to perform for me. Um, especially at my age, I'm, I'm 34 years old right now. Uh, I, maybe that ratio might have been a little bit different uh, in my late teens and 20s, but uh, I, I, I try to balance and prioritize my health by keeping that key relationship in mind uh, that I want to be giving back to my body. I want to be nourishing, nurturing my body, uh, and just just really grateful for all the all the cool stuff my body. Uh, enables me to do and, and, and how it enables me to experience the world. And it, it's a little bit different perspective, but I think if you can keep that, that relationship in mind, it will, it, it will serve you well for, for the long haul. Right. And so, so to sum it up, and I, I think, you know, to put it in a nutshell, you know, you're not sacrificing your health for fitness, right? Uh, and I think that's something Absolutely. you've told me before, and, and it's really a profound statement, right? You're not, trying to say, oh, I'm going to push myself a little bit harder when your body is, like, just not not ready for it and you're not just going to keep on pushing yourself without making sure you're you're feeling great. You're not going to push past the yes. point of pain, like, bad pain, obviously. So, um, yeah, no, I definitely appreciate it. I think it's a really critical uh, concept for people to understand, and, and I certainly see it with clients I work with where it's all about go, 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 like I need to lose this belly fat. I need to, you know, get strong. And it's just like we got to create that balance, or the body just falls apart. So I really appreciate your insights on that. Um, okay, so we've kind of touched upon this a little bit. We've kind of dug into this concept of free movement. Um, I just was curious if you wanted to elaborate a little bit more on it, but I just wanted to kind of uh, describe this concept of free movement so people can kind of understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and, and and free movement is just it's just a name. It's just what I call my practice. Right. Um, and it's it's in this evolution where um, it started out with the foundations and then it's it's grown into something more. So I call I I I, I think of it as having three components that my practice is kind of grounded in what's practical. Uh, in MoveNet, we talk about a practical approach to movement where we're looking at foundational movement patterns like the squat and the deadlift and pushing and pulling and um, uh, crawling, rotating, just these basic movements that really comprise the language of movement. That's just get your practical bases covered first and make sure that you can deal with the uh, demands that life places on you. Cool. That's a great place to be. Um, where do you go beyond that? Well, we've got we've got more needs than just that. Um, I, I like to think about the role of play as well. So this idea that we've got work, but we've also got play, and they they're two sides of the coin. It, one isn't more valuable than the other. And I would say that in our society, we value the work quite a bit. We can we value the sweat and, and pushing ourselves, but we've got to back off every now and then and replenish the well. And doing that through playful movement is um, is a good start. So my practice includes a lot of games, a lot of play. Um, I don't have kids of my own, but um, 
you know, if I, if some of my friends have small kids or, or um, I'll, I'll play with them, um, you know, it, it's, but it's finding ways to make movement playful again. Go out and explore. Grab some friends and just don't worry about the calories. Don't worry about the work. Just worry about enjoyment, and that's the playful aspect. And I think when you get those two down, the work and the play, it opens up the door for uh, what I call the personal aspect, um, self-expression, or um, just simply be, being able to expand your comfort zone and experience new things through, through movement and, and experience your creativity through movement. And, uh, you know, that might, that, that might go over some heads at this point, but you stay in this long enough and you start, you start playing in the world of movement, it, it, it starts the creative juices flowing. And uh, that might not make a lot of sense from the words that I'm saying, but if you check out my Instagram, you'll see all of these components um, integrated on a on a almost daily basis where there's the work, there's me getting after it, there's me just kind of goofing around and being playful, and then there's me kind of going into those deeper levels where you get to see the creativity behind my movement. And like I said, that, as a coach, that's I help people – go deeper into that process and figure out what their version of free movement looks like. Awesome. And uh, um, I, I'm curious to hear, let's just say a few exercises that if you had to choose just three strength training exercises in order to help, uh, let's just say, a busy guy or a busy lady get, get stronger, thinner, more athletic, I know it's a tough question, but what are, what are maybe the top three or four exercises you would choose? I'm going to go with the kettlebell swing. I'm going to go with the Turkish get-up. And I'll throw crawling in there as well. And if I had a, a, a fourth to, to throw in, I would throw in hanging as well because hanging is, is great for our upper body, great for our shoulders. Um, but in terms of that, like, what, what types of movements are going to give you the most bang for your buck? Um, that are going to make you strong and are going to give you that 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 endurance and the the resiliency or the anti fragility. I think that that kettlebell swing, Turkish get up, crawling. I, if if those are the only three that you had, I mean, you could you could transform your body with just those those movements alone. Right. I mean, it's really really cool that you say that. And I, again, like I. I I know in my own past, I, I always used to think, oh, I need to do, you know, 30 different exercises and hit each muscle group in three different ways in order to get a workout, you know. It's kind of this bodybuilding mentality, and uh, I think it's really great to hear you, and I've, I've myself experienced as well as, I mean, with, you can, with three exercises you mentioned, you can build an incredibly strong, incredibly fit, incredibly, you know, athletic body with three exercises you don't need anything else really i mean of course you want to you know move and be flexible but i mean am i overstating to say that you can be build a tremendously strong body with just those three exercises definitely not and you know it it's a foundational principle that i would really love people to keep in mind because we when it comes to getting fit it's often like we're at the base of a mountain looking up and the more there's so much information floating around, we have access to all this information and it just complicates things more than it needs to be complicated. Uh, in my coaching approach, I try to simplify as much as possible right. because there is so much depth within the basics. That's why the basics are the basics. So let's explore that depth and get all we can. But when we start making it too, um, too complex, it gets messy, it gets blurry, you lose focus, and eventually you're going to burn out or you're going to fall off. So, you know, why not just just, just keep it easy? Keep, awesome. it, keep it simple, not, awesome. not necessarily easy. Awesome, love it. And uh, I do know that you are, you know, a fan of some of the other basics like deadlifting, squats, as you mentioned, you know, hanging. Um, hanging is also a really cool exercise that I've been doing almost daily, actually. Um, and, and I was partly inspired by your videos, by the way. Uh, you've done some, you've taken hanging to a different level, man, which is pretty cool. Uh, so anyways, you know, some of our, you know, listeners can, can check it out. Uh, really different types of training that most people just don't see, right? Like a, a lot of guys are stuck, like I said, they're just kind of stuck in the kind of go to the gym and start pumping 
instead of really kind of exploring how the body is designed to function, which is obviously what you're doing and, and what I've been striving to do. Um, and real quick, you know, you are, I mean, we're going to have some photos of you in case, in case, I mean, in case you haven't seen photos of Kellen, I mean, the guy is unbelievably muscular and fit and lean. He has kind of like this perfect male physique. If you could think of like a sport and warrior dude in real life, I mean, he's pretty damn close to what you would think. Uh, you know, he's a very balanced body, no muscles out of place type of, type of guy. And so I'm kind of curious to hear, you know, how did you get so muscular? Like, how'd you build so much muscle? I mean, you know, typically it requires a lot of volume, uh, you know, a lot of training. I'm just kind of curious how, how you made it happen. Yeah. And, um, I, this goes back to my, um, you know, where I began along this journey was with this bodybuilding approach. And it's just kind of funny how it, as movement starts to become more um, more popular in the mainstream, people become aware of it, it becomes a, well, is this better than that type deal? And, you know, I reflect on that and look at like, wow, the bodybuilding did help me with with muscle building and hypertrophy. It, 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 it's, that phase in my life is really where I um, – you know, set this foundation for, for my current physique. Um, I, I don't want to downplay the role of genetics. My, I, I come from more um, mesomorphic, endomorphic people, like bigger people um, with, with muscle mass. So that has never been, um, it, it, it's not been my struggle as much. Um, but at the same time, I, I look to those roots in some isolation training um, and higher volume work and, um, you know, kind of lowering the complexity of some of the the, tr- the 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 movements that I was performing, and that that served me well. Um, but it's just the the idea here is balance, and I didn't get stuck in that framework and say that that's the end all be all. Uh, I've always been on the lookout for like, well, what else can I do? What else can I do? How can I take this and and keep refining my style um, into something that works for me. So, you know, the muscle approach definitely, like, the, the information's out there, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I've had that phase in my life. Cool. And so, just to be clear, you're not doing almost any isolation exercises anymore, right? None of that stuff. Uh, in the winter months, I do spend a few months in um, more of a hypertrophy cycle. Uh, like okay. I said, I'm indoors more. So there there are a few months in there. But right now, like, so I'm in Wisconsin. We've got some brutal winters. Um, we're in the prime right now where it's just, it, it's beautiful out. Like, I, I can't justify spending too much time in the gym when I could be outside right. just engage, engaging in nature and, 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 you know, in my practice of natural movement. Um so that that that's giving me some different benefits, but I do spend some a few months every year, um, particularly in the winter, working on you know going back to some of those basic isolation exercises. I don't do a lot of machines. I'm not in the typical global gym, but you give me a set of dumbbells, a barbell. I'd love to bang out some curls and some skull crushers and some bent over rows and you know all that good stuff. Cool, cool. But I, I, you know I think the key uh, is of course you're maintaining your joint mobility and. Uh, you know, there's obviously, like you said, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with bodybuilding as long as people, that, that approach as long as people are really, really keeping their joints healthy, uh, as clearly you, you have been. So, uh, one, another quick question. What's your, your height and your weight? So you're 5'9", you're saying, and, and you're 170 pounds, right? Is that correct? That's right. I've been there for quite some time, yeah. That's cool. Just, that's where I found my, it's like my sweet spot, so it's like I'm, I'm good here. Right, and I just I'm, I'm mentioning this because you know when you look at you, you think you're like 185, 190 pounds easily, uh, but it just goes to show you uh, how when you get lean and you get well developed, your entire body, it's just like, I mean, you don't need to weigh a huge amount to get you know pretty muscular and a pretty impressive physique. And I know that when I train clients, you know the average guy is 190 pounds who's 20 pounds overweight, and it's like you know I want to lose fat and stay the same weight, what do I do? Whereas, you know, a lot of these guys could easily be 165, 170 pounds and still look a lot better. So I think, you know, you're certainly kind of debunk that myth of you need to weigh 200 pounds in order to look muscular. So that's cool. Um, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Like a lot of guys, I, you know, just to touch on that, like I find that a lot of guys, you know, don't want to want a, a or are looking for a, a presence about them. They want to be able to walk into a room and, and command it and right. be noticed. And when you put the work in and when you dedicate yourself to, um, to that physical practice and your training, um, you know, people do notice that. Um, but people also kind of know the difference between, you know, that guy that's just kind of pumped up or overinflated or, you know, just carrying some extra pounds to, to look the part. And, and that's different from the guy that's, that's really put in the work to, to cultivate the physique. Absolutely. Um, that's a, a good point. And, and uh, with that, let's, let's kind of turn to nutrition because obviously nutrition is a critical mm-hmm. component of, you know, health and certainly, you know, getting lean and strong, and you're a very lean dude. So um, I understand you, you you follow the paleo diet. Of course, there are many different kind of versions of it, and there's a million different blogs on it, but uh kind of curious to hear, you know, the the the, the, the version you follow uh, along with maybe some foods you eat or don't eat. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when the, the paleo diet came onto my radar at the same time natural movement did, the, the two kind of go hand in hand. And for me, it was just like, it was just what I needed at the time. And when my training and my diet had become way too complicated, way too much for me to manage, I was looking for simplicity. I was looking for more minimalism. And uh, the paleo diet really resonated with me. Uh, I was also open to this idea that like, okay, maybe the foods that I've looked at my entire life as just being, yeah, like people just eat this stuff. Like this is this, these are healthy foods. Um, what if I were to challenge some of that thinking? So that's, that's what happens a bit with the paleo diet in this idea that, you know, uh, try to eliminate or, uh, cut down on consumption of grains, uh, dairy products, legumes, uh, and understanding that there might be some issues with um, gut health and inflammation that goes on with some of these foods that we just consider like normal, normal healthy foods. So um, I, I, I'm not a strict paleo guy. Uh, I, I, I don't have a severe gluten intolerance or lactose intolerance. Um, and so I, I try to find, follow more of a, a, a template follow those major, those guidelines of the paleo diet, but also figure out over the years what's what works for me and what type of diet fuels me. So the crux of it is good sources of protein, high quality sources of fats, and um, and I'm, I'm smart with my carbohydrate intake. Um, so that's pretty much it, but that, that doesn't mean that anything is necessarily, you know, completely off limits, but I have, I, I've established some, some boundaries just by making that paleo diet my, my overall template. Cool. And so what is, what does your diet look like in terms of like timing? I mean, how many meals are you having a day? How many snacks? Yeah. Um, about five years ago, intermittent fasting came onto my radar and, you know, again, looking to simplify, seems like a great, uh, a little experiment I wanted to try and it just stuck and I, I've been doing it ever since. Um, it started out very you know, following the following the, the, the letter of the, the protocol um, which was uh, eating all your food within an eight hour window that from about noon to 8 p.m. Um, got a little nutty about that and, and but over the years I've found a good balance so I generally have my first meal of the day around anywhere between 10.30 a.m. And, and 1 p.m. And just a, a, a medium-sized meal, a good amount of protein and fat uh, to keep me satiated. Um, and uh, then the rest of the afternoon or middle of that, that day um, or that eating window, I'm doing some grazing, more, more snacking, maybe some trail mix. Um, vegetables and hummus, uh, those are go-tos for me, some fruit. And in the evening, that's when I generally eat my, my big meal. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really getting after it then. Um, so, it's, uh, and, and trying to make, make sure that that's not timed too, I'm not, I'm not having that right before my, uh, 
before I go to sleep, but have a little buffer there at the uh, uh, afterwards to digest. But overall, that's kind of the thinking for me is I, I try to give my digestive system a break, um, whereas previously I'd been the bodybuilder approach, eating small meals all the time, felt like my digestive system was always running. And I just personally noticed some benefits from stepping back from that, giving my digestive system a break, and um, and, and, and trying the fasting approach, and that's worked really well for me. Cool. And can you give a couple examples of what, like, might a, you know, your kind of first meal of the day look like and your, and your last meal? Yeah, for sure. Um, my first meal of the day, definitely like to get, um, like today was a cup of grass-fed ground beef with some sautéed vegetables in the mix. It was, you know, like I said, this is, it's, it's, it, it's nothing sexy. It's just fuel at this point. I'm in the middle of the day. I got stuff going on. It's just to fuel my body. And, you know, same with with um, kind of some snacks throughout the afternoon. And then the evening meal is a little bit more of an experience. I take a little bit more time prepping it. It's It's the process of cooking, assembling the meal, as well as um, – uh, consuming it and, and, and consuming it slowly and, and preferably with with uh, you know with my girlfriend or with a group of people and it, it becomes something more than just fuel. Then it's it's the experience of it. Awesome. And so, in terms of uh, you know, let's just say drinking alcohol. I mean, do you drink alcohol or no? I do drink alcohol. Um, I'm I'm out here in Wisconsin, the land. I say it's the land of beer and cheese. Um, drinking is and sports, by the way, as well. So, like, drinking is really woven into the culture. Um, I spent when I was getting deeper into my journey, it became like um, you know you, 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 we have the tendency to become martyrs at times, and you know you wanna you wanna walk the, the righteous path where you're only eating clean and you would your body is a temple, you would never dare put anything in um, that, that to compromise that. Uh, at the same time, I, I started to recognize some of the psychological negative effects of that, that rigid type of thinking. So um, I keep, for myself, uh, uh, drinking in moderation has never been... Um, uh, too much of a challenge for me. I feel like I've had a pretty pretty good relationship with alcohol, um, and partly because spending years as a bartender, I think I saw the absolute uh, worst of human behavior um, in, 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 in bar culture and under the influence of alcohol. So, um, but I do really, I enjoy, you know, good tequila, good bourbon, good scotch, good, um, really nice, crafted beers here and wine. So I, I partake, but I partake um, in accordance with kind of my personal code, if you will. Not really drinking during the week. Um, might be one or two drinks on a Friday evening, two or three drinks on a Saturday afternoon or evening, and maybe a drink on, on, on Sunday or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's around maybe like five or six drinks a week is what moderation means to me and th those are where that's my sweet spot of enjoying life but making sure that my consumption of alcohol doesn't leave me with a debilitating hangover um, that's going to compromise recovery for and, and we all know the older you get like <laughs> the, the more those hangovers seem to stick around a little bit longer so you know I I, I, I keep it within that window I want to make sure that my next day isn't killed because I had a little bit too much fun on a given night Cool. Um, do you drink coffee? Oh, I sure do. <laughs> uh, and I think that's a favorite. I think that's a favorite for a lot of the uh, the fitness industry. Uh, again, over time, the, the the tastes have refined. The personal code has gotten more dialed in. So, um, you know, when I was working, you know, at 5 a.m. Um, five, six years ago, is you know, taking early clients and kind of like wake up and like pound a bunch of coffee and, you know, get yourself super jacked up so you can bring some energy and, um, and, and keep that through the day. And, and now it's like realizing that I've had to scale that back, that I've had an unhealthy relationship. I took a step away from coffee for a while, set some boundaries around it. And now 
uh, found a much better balance where I can enjoy my coffee. And uh, again, that's a process for me of making it at home in the morning or going out to a local roaster and enjoying a quality cup of coffee means much more to me than just, you know, like slamming it straight out of the pot. Um, it's, I try to keep my consumption under 20 ounces a day and not in the, not after 2 p.m. Awesome. And uh, I think that's my, 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 my rule. Yeah, that's really smart. And I, I definitely have friends and family members who are drinking coffee after 2 p.m. And there's no way they are not getting affected by that. I mean, they're not, your sleep is going to get affected for sure, you know, if you're having coffee later in the afternoon. So it's definitely cool. You've, you know, created some boundaries and you've, you've uh, allowed it to work really well for you. That's awesome. Um, and so in terms of... Uh, uh, so I'm assuming you, you know, you drank water or, you know, is there something else you drink, um, you know, aside from those, uh, you know, types of beverages? Water is really the standard. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, like I said, along with this awareness around coffee and like the fact that caffeine is actually a very powerful drug, um, the understanding of like the, the, the role and the reaction that occur as a result of sugar. Um, as a kid, it was completely normal for me to have three or four sodas in a day, drink a bunch of juice because it's fruit, right? It's healthy. Um, and this is all surrounding what's normal, you know, creating a definition of normal that's based on what the media tells me and what other people are doing. Um, so, yeah, that, that's normal, right? But then as I did my research and as I got older and became more health conscious, began to see like, oh, oh, holy shit, like your body really can't process all that sugar and really freaks out and all this craziness happens physiologically when, you, when you're just mainlining sugar. Um, so... Again, that's over the years. It's like, well, as the the usage dropped off. My actual taste buds, my palate changed. Where that stuff is way too sweet now, um, and you know, create a new baseline where normal is you drink water. That's just the beverage of of choice. You don't need to go farther than that. You want something to to um, make that more exciting, then you can use essential oils or you can infuse mint or lemon or cucumber in your water or something like that but water that's that's life right there that's so you know that's i that, that's enough that's it that's no that's great i, I think you make a point important uh, important point about your taste buds changing i noticed the same thing where some sugary foods i literally was addicted to and used to love i i just really don't care for them and people are just like what's wrong with you and i'm like you know, when you stop eating a lot of sugar, your taste buds just change, and and that's really um, um that's, that's a really important point that you just made. Um, so I definitely appreciate that. And let's shift gears and kind of talk a little bit more about lifestyle. And so, um, I'd love to hear about your morning routine. Can you kind of walk us through that? For sure. So the morning routine is, I mean, it's floating around everywhere in the, the, the fitness and self-development realm, how important these routines are, and totally, totally on board with that. Um, because the first thing when I wake up in the morning, it's, it, again, back to hydration. I have a big glass of water with some lime juice and some um, nice sea salt in there, uh, just a little thing that I picked up from Charles Poliquin's blog that, that just stuck as a simple health practice. And then... From that, I'm I'm moving, <laughs> and that might different days that looks like different practices. But I'm either stretching, um, I'm doing some calisthenics or some light lifting, um, going for a walk or going for a run, and but but I'm doing something to wake my body up to spark my body, and um, that starts with just my physiology, just like getting the internal system moving and revved up and I, I'll generally go for about 30 minutes to an, to an hour. Um, in a perfect world, let's say I'm going to wake up, stretch and mobilize for 30 minutes and then go for a 30 minute walk or, or run. And, um, and I just find that when I get done with that practice, I am in, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to conquer the world. And that's the idea of the energy we want to bring to to every day. Um, 
but it, it, it really brings me to life and grounds me, centers me, focuses me on the work that I get to do moving forward. And, um, and, and that's where I really find my morning routine as a, uh, really like a, a foundational piece of, of what's allowed me to be successful over the years. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and I should have asked this before, and, and I'm curious, do you foam roll? Because you're obviously, and, and by the way, for, for listeners who haven't quite seen uh, Kellen in action, he's a very flexible dude. Uh, he's very flexible and impressively so. And I'm just curious, I mean, do you foam roll? Is that part of your kind of movement training practice? Um, not as much these days. Um, I it, it, it's it, it's a funny thing about adding more um, more movement to my life and um, more diversity to the movements that I engage in and and in bringing more movement into my lifestyle I've found the need for interventions like foam rolling I, I I've found I've used them much less and um, I. I, I encourage people to think about that, consider that for the long haul, because there's it's definitely kind of common practice in the fitness industry to you know like oh you got something that's hurting you oh well like just just smash on it just <laughs> right, take this, right, whatever right, implement right. you have and just smash it. So I, I I know there's a place for it and I've seen the benefits myself, but I personally have found uh, over the years a need for less foam rolling. Um, my shoulders get a little junky sometimes from some of the hand balancing um, and floor work that I do, so the cross ball in there um, is, is nice for maintenance. Uh, but I also wanted to throw out, because I haven't seen too much um, about the use of acupressure mats, but um, maybe about four or five months ago, I picked up a, an acupressure mat for 20 bucks on Amazon. It's a little foam mat. It's got these little plastic spiny discs on you lay on it um, it takes a while to get used to it's not super comfortable it's a little bit of a shock at first but i've stuck with the practice for a few months and i've seen tremendous value from it um, the areas in my body that residually just consistently hold residual tension uh, namely my back lower back and my calves um, i spend time on this mat uh, every other day or so um, or after a, a, a a long run or a, a heavy lifting session, and it, it my my tension just dissolves away, and I wake up the next morning feeling like Gumby, and it's amazing. <laughs> and I don't hear any I don't hear anybody talking about this, so I I, I want to give a shout out to to acupressure. Um, I don't really understand it, but it, it's definitely worked for me. You know what? I have a buddy. Uh, he actually is a contributor to to Belt Lean, Nick Holt. Who uh, he lives in um, Costa Rica. So in case you're ever in Costa Rica, you can hit him up. He's in Tamarindo. Uh, he actually had one, and I used it. It's you know I didn't explore it like you have, but I'm I'm really interested, and obviously I'm going to buy one now uh, to try <laughs> it out. But that's the only time I've heard of it. And it's funny, like yeah, no, he has it. He has it. And he he definitely uses it. So uh, so I'm definitely going to check it out. And I appreciate you uh, you sharing that. Um, and. Getting back to, uh, I, I guess, your, your sleep. I mean, how much are you sleeping a night? For me, the sweet spot is seven to eight hours. Uh, that's really, especially with what I, um, with, with how much I'm moving, how active I am, that's, that's really, uh, I take that seriously. And um, that's, that's generally my, where, where I'm thriving. Get in bed um, between 10 and 10.30 every night and wake up at between 6 and 6.30. And like I mentioned, I'm not a super type A regimented um, type person in a lot of ways, but um, that consistency and that structure has uh, has been instrumental in again just just staying healthy. So that's that's where I find myself thriving. Awesome. And uh, real quick before we uh, finish off, uh, we haven't talked too much about MoveNet. Um, but I just want to tell our listeners, MoveNet is a um, type of exercise framework where it teaches uh, trainers and also people about natural movement. Like, how do we move naturally in our environment? And uh, 
Kellen is a team leader for this organization. He's uh, reached a very high level. Uh, and, and, you know, Kellen, hopefully maybe in a future uh, podcast, we can kind of go over move that in more detail. But I, I, I was hesitant to go into it too much because the movements are just so hard to describe. And I think that, you know, checking out your Instagram feed, people will get a feel for it. And, and be able to experience it versus just trying to talk about the complicated movements that are nearly impossible to describe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, MoveNet changed my life. Um, and it's, it, and by that I mean it opened me up to a completely different way of thinking. Um, or maybe it got me reconnected or back to, um, a way of thinking that I had abandoned or, or forgotten that the world of fitness and exercise was very much about here is the exact form. Here is the way that movement is executed. We don't like, but think about like kids as being the best movers that were born with all the mobility that we could possibly ever need, and we use that mobility to explore the world. And we take, we, we use that mobility to start exploring what our bodies can do. And our bodies are incredible, incredible, just even from an architectural standpoint. Um, what our bodies are capable of is incredible. And I think when we start to shift the framework um, away from this idea of rigid exercise and starting to get more into a more a more organic, a more holistic um, um, practice of movement um, by thinking about how movement occurs in context, how the environment and how the situation shapes the way the ways in which we move. Um, I, I think that that, sim- that paradigm shift, definitely not simple, it's gradual, um, but Getting to that place, like I said, it just opens up completely new ways of thinking and, and reconnects us with, with just, just a different mindset to take to our training. And for me, that has been an amazing game changer. I love going around the country teaching MoveNet and, you know, just, just giving people the tools that they need to start that process out for themselves because that's, that's the spirit MoveNet was created in. Let's give people a framework a system to help them progressively redefine movement on their own terms. Awesome. That's uh, very well said. And uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the call. And I guess the last question is, I mean, how do, how do people get in touch with you? How do they uh, stay in touch with you and then learn more about you? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I hope that we, we brought some value to the listeners out there. Uh, I love sharing my experiences, and I love these conversations. I love connecting. Um, people can find me at my website, movementparallelslife.com. Um, you can learn more about my my views and um, and, and my uh, my coaching work. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Milwaukee Free Mover, and, um, and on Facebook, too. My professional page, Kellen Mylad Coaching. Um, these are all places where I'm looking to, to use these platforms to engage with people and, and keep the conversation rolling. So by all means, if you found something uh, compelling in this uh, in this podcast, you know, definitely reach out and let's connect. Awesome. Well, uh, Kellen, again, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to really peek inside the minds of, of someone who uh, has had a really amazing fitness journey and clearly has reached an extraordinarily high uh, fitness level, so it's it's I really appreciate it, and I, I certainly appreciate it, and I'm sure our listeners are going to appreciate it as well. So uh, thank you very much again for your time, and uh, look forward to connecting again soon. An absolute pleasure to be here with you guys, um, and I look forward to the next conversation, Mark. Awesome, thanks again. Appreciate it. <laughs>